Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So today we have Dr. Colin Lathrop on the show, and it was a really great time interviewing him. Um, I actually interviewed him back in 2018 uh, when his practice was a little bit different. They've grown a lot since then, and they're constantly innovating, and it's just always a blast to, to get together with him. He can just, he's one of those people who, who will talk and talk, and every time he's talking, I'm listening because <laughs> I'm learning something. So um, I really appreciated him taking time out of his busy day. It was pretty last minute that we got together for this episode. And this will be another two-part episode, so make sure that you catch both parts of it. And if you're at all interested to hear more from him, go back to, I think it was like March or so in 2018, where you could hear his uh, first interview where he kind of went into more detail about how he runs his front office with no front office employees. It was pretty interesting. All right, guys. And as always, if you do need any help with your dental membership plans, those are pretty popular these days as we're coming back from COVID, please check out dentalmembershipdirect.com and schedule a uh, membership growth solution for you and your team. Or you could, if you're the do-it-yourself type, you could check out um, the membershipmastercourse.com for the uh, Dental Membership Master Course with myself and Dr. Chris Phelps. All right, enjoy today's episode. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. To the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, I am your host, Dr. Drew Burns, and we've got a friend of mine on the show again today, Dr. Colin Lathrop. Colin, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Drew. Thanks for having me. No, I I really appreciate it. This was kind of uh, impromptu. I think I was um, scrolling Facebook this morning, and I came across one of your posts in our in the Facebook group, Fee for Service Dentistry, and or a comment that you had made on, on your, your post, on someone's post talking about your expansion. And I thought, man, I, I want to touch base with you again, because the last time we spoke, it was actually in March of 2018. I can't believe it was that long ago, but it, it was. Um, and... For, for those of you who uh, heard that listen that episode, you might remember some, some of the highlights. Uh, Colin's got kind of a unique model that I'd love for you to maybe just touch on the basics, if you would, before we dive into your expansion plans today. But the, his unique model is, unless you've changed things, last we spoke, you didn't really have any dedicated front office team members. Is that is that right? Uh, for the most part. Yeah, we've, we've kind of modified and evolved um, as we've grown because we've added a lot more team members. Um and so we have one or two that kind of hang out mainly at the front, 
but they still come back and they do, uh, they have certain clinical roles that they will do as well. Um, so it's still the same model. It's just that probably their split of time between the front and the back has changed. Um, and uh, they've just taken on special projects of their own to help with the growth of the practice. And, you know, it's worked. And, and, and again, as a practice grows and develops, you have to you have to be able to course correct in order to keep maintaining towards you know certain goals as those goals change as well. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we still run a, a, a relatively all clinical team. Uh, myself and an associate currently. Um, I have five hygienists. I have two or three kind of temps that come in and cover here and there. Um, and then we have, let's see, uh, like seven assistants now. Um, they kind of rotate different duties. Um, and, and that's evolved as well from the last time that we spoke. So there's been a lot of change in the last um, two years and four months. So, um, and I'm happy to go through any of that stuff if you want to hear it. But um, yeah, overall practice growth um, has been been fantastic. So good. Yeah, let's get into some of that. I, I want to make sure I've got a, a firm understanding of, of what your um, your employee makeup looks like. So you've got five hygienists. Um, you have seven dental assistants. Um, you said two two doctors. Yourself an associate. Yes. And then um, any other team members. Uh, the only one, I have a, I have a few temp hygienists um, temp that hygienists. will come in and cover when one of mine is out for a doctor appointment or they just want to take a vacation break or or something like that. So it's nice having a few for flexibility. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. want to work full time. Um, one only works on Fridays, like when her husband is off, because so she can get out of the house and away from her kids. Um, and it's just and she's a patient of ours. It's and one of my neighbors. Um, <laughs> So she she uh, she just enjoys just getting out of the house and, and maintaining her skills as far as hygiene, so that you know when her when her kids get into school and get older, then she can go back and she can work for us or somebody else or, or whomever. Mm-hmm. So um, we're kind of um, we're 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 pretty blessed as far as having an excess of available team members, because a lot mm-hmm. of practices are are you know lost their team members during the COVID shutdown and haven't been able to either hire them back because of financial reasons or uh, their team members took on some other job in some other industry and just don't want to come back. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we've been able yeah. to maintain a real tight core group and, um, and everybody's back and healthy and, and wanting to work and, and we're just banging it out. So oh, that's uh, great. So yeah, it's so, nice when, when, um, when you have a well-developed uh, team that's on board with everything that you're doing and, and, you know, they can voice their concerns and, and that sort of stuff because we did modify a lot of our protocols um, as far as check in and check out and, and all sorts of things to mm-hmm. to try to do as much as we could to allay any concerns from from our team members and and to some degree our patients as well. Um, but our patients have been ready to come back, and get out of their house. Um, so we have some that are really scared, nervous, haven't been anywhere else, and others that um, they're not concerned whatsoever. So we try mm-hmm. to appeal to all of those people. So. Um- if we can, I'd love to dive in to, to give myself and our, our listeners a, a bit of an idea of the size of your practice from both the uh, operatory, how many operatories you have from, from that type of capacity, and then how about collections? I know we were kind of talking before I started uh, recording here. Uh, what How has your growth been the last couple of years? Where are your collections hovering around, and, and where do you want to take things? Um, let's see. So we're, we're running eight operatories now. Um, I think when we talked before I was at seven and I had one more that, that I was going to get around to, to building out. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I believe end of 18 or maybe first of 19, somewhere around there, I, I built out my eighth op. Um, and we, we had a consult room that we kind of used for photos also. And I pretty much just killed the consult room. It's, it's worthless in my opinion for the type mm -hmm. of practice that I have. And uh, we, we built that out as our 3D printing room, uh, digital design and a photo studio. Um, mm -hmm. My buddy, um, Ali Sergi sent me um, mm -hmm. a bunch of information. I was going back and forth with him. He's like an expert when it comes to dental photography. And, nice. uh, and so he helped me set up like all the things that I was going to need and, and coached me through a few things. And, and I'd already been taking extra oral um, photos for quite a while for, for all of our patient care stuff. But as far as um, shooting um, headshots and, and retracted photos to really start documenting our case as well, um, that was a that was a, a nice change and add on. And I barely take any photos. Um, my clinical team, I have I have two young ladies that one is my primary digital assistant. Her name's Michaela, and um, and she didn't know any of this digital stuff beforehand. And and so she does all of my 3D printing. She coordinates with my digital designer for our. Um, a composite every other tooth uh, rebuild uh, design cases or for uh, mock-ups for a full ceramic rebuild. Um, she'll print all the models, make all the transfers. Um, she's starting to do the transfers on patients now and then clean things up and then um, and then take them in the photo studio and take photos and and taking a lot of the little workflow steps off of my schedule so that I can be you know doing the things that I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, that takes a while. You, you, know, you really have to develop your team well, give them the skills to do it, teach them how to do it. And then, you know, when they make little mistakes here and there, you know, you don't, you don't start screaming at them, you know, mm -hmm. you say, Hey, you know, okay, that's what happened. And this is why we don't want to do it. This is why we want to do it this way. And as you see, it's just easier when we do it on these steps and they get it to where you're working together truly as a team. Mm -hmm. uh, it pays much bigger dividends because if you're all stressed out and you're mad at everybody and you know, you're breathing fire at everyone around you, Dude, they're not going to stay. And if you get really right. good people, they're not going to put up with that stuff. And they're going to go down the street to somebody like me who actually we have a blast when we're working. Um, and uh, I mean, the girls that work with me right now that have worked in other offices, you know, they tell us all the time how nice it is to work in a safe and secure environment to where they can they can grow their skills or their skill set. They can really do what they like to do, um, you know, and, and and feel good about it. Um, and that goes back into, you know, your other question about collections. So one thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, they want to be successful. They say, oh, I want to do this much and I want to make this kind of money and I want to have this kind of house and all this other kind of garbage. Um, and and the problem is, is if you're so focused on on just money itself and you're not focused on the people around you that you're, you're serving, the patients, your team, you know, that sort of stuff, then you're never going to reach any kind of potential. Um, mm -hmm. When a financial goal is your only goal, that's a, that's a really poor um, judge of, of, of how well your business is doing. I know some people focus everything on a P&L. And the problem with that is you start looking at places to cut costs. Like, I want to cut a percentage of my supply bill. Well, that just means you're going to go to cheaper stuff. Cheaper doesn't always mean better. Um, or I want to have a, a, a lower lab bill. You know, a percentage of my, my uh, collections a lower lab bill. Well, either you produce more and collect more or you use a cheaper lab. Again, it's not always the best to go to a cheaper lab. So I use the best labs in the country. They're expensive, mm -hmm. but I do enough volume that it keeps my lab percentage pretty low. Um, and I haven't run a PL in a couple of months. 
because things are really off with collections and all sorts of things as far as analysis that way because of COVID. Right. But, um, you know, when I've got patients coming in and they're wanting to do full large, full mouth dentistry um, and they're driving from long distances because they've been referred by another dentist or another patient or something like that, that means we're doing well. Um, for example, um, let's see, uh, Friday, Friday is a good example. We had $7,800 in our schedule. I was the only doctor there. We were scheduled from seven to two. And I believe I only had four hygienists that day because one of them was just taken off. And so, um, I wanted kind of a lighter day anyway, but anyway, we started at 7,800. I think we finished at 22,000, three Invisalign cases just happened to show up. Um, one was a, a follow-up. Um, we were checking with her and then she just, she was there in the office and she's like, yeah, you know, I want to do it. Great. They took over. I, I mean, I talked to her for a second about it and, and I moved on. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Mm -hmm. And the other two were cases, one we had diagnosed like eight months before and another one like three days ago. And they both just happened to call and they say, hey, yeah, you know, I want to do that. I want to get started with that. And I had just told uh, Miranda, who who hangs out at the front quite a bit because she's the best on the phones. And I said, I don't want anybody added on my schedule today. I don't want to see anybody else. Um, I, I've got some other stuff that I'm trying to work through and, and get done. Um, and I'm just comfortable with the way that the schedule is today. And, um, and so she kind of listened, but then she kind of didn't. And she <laughs> listened because I didn't see the patients. And she didn't because she added more people on our office schedule. But she took mm -hmm. that upon herself uh, when they called. And she knew that it wouldn't impact me whatsoever. It mm -hmm. wouldn't take away from my assistants doing stuff that I needed them to do. And all it was going to do was just add daily production. So uh, that put us at, at 92000 for the week. Now, my week wow. is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then um, seven to two on Friday. So it's usually three and three quarter days. It's usually five hygienists each day, myself and my associate on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then one of us, cause we're alternating Fridays off because I wanted to take some more time off. So the week before we hit 91,000. Now in the last two weeks, I think I've prepped four arches of ceramics. Um, last uh, uh, two weeks ago week, I prepped the upper arch for a lady. And then this past week I prepped her lower arch and that way I could get everything sent off to the lab and get her done. And she lives um, in the woodlands, which is the north, north side of Houston. And I'm in Katy on the far west side. It's an hour and 10 minute drive for her to get to my office. Now she was referred from, from one of my classmates, um, a guy named Ryan Thompson. And I haven't talked to him probably since, you know, around, around um, you know, graduation time and stuff like that. So that's been like 11 years and they're, they're related somehow through marriage or something like that. And they were talking mm -hmm. about what she had going on and, um, and he told her, you know, to come see me, which was a great compliment. So Ryan, if you're listening, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, but you drive past about a thousand dentists between the woodlands and, and where my office is. And there's some pretty high end cosmetic dentists in the woodlands and she had gone on other consultations. And, um, what I was telling you about my team earlier falls into play with this case. You know, she came in, she saw us, we talked, we gave her a figure, you know, a big round number to, to do her, her rehabilitation. And, um, and so her and her husband, you know, we're both there and we talked about it and I kind of brought them through the steps, how I would do it and, um, and made sure that it made sense. We showed them photos cause we took, you know, full extra oral photos of her and went through the whole, um, reasons of why 
she basically needed to do all of the teeth to rebuild what she had going on. And um, the other offices that she had consulted with were about double my price. And she said it wasn't about the money. And we found out later that they, it really isn't about the money, looking at where she lives and her house and stuff. Um, and they said that they felt the most comfortable and the most at ease. And they just felt really comfortable the way that my team and I worked together, that she didn't feel that way at the other offices that she had gone in for consultations. So, you know, when you're developing your team, you know, they're supporting you. And then your, your interactions with your team, patients can pick up on that. So when you have really good relationships and you're having fun, you're relaxed and, and calm and that sort of thing, maybe use some humor as well. Then when patients pick up on that, their psychology changes, their trust level goes up and their fear level goes down. And usually when the fear goes down and trust goes up, your acceptance also goes up. And so mm-hmm. when we're talking about 40, 50, $60,000 cases, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of complex. It's a lot of appointments. And she knew the drive and how far it was. And she said it didn't matter to her. So, you know, and I have to have her come in several times for different things. And, and that's a pretty good amount. I mean, that's most of the day for her. Mm-hmm. So by the time she gets over there, we do what we need to do. And then she gets back home. Um, and so that was a big compliment that she accepted, you know, our recommendations and, and accepted our treatment plan. And, um, you know, again, that means we're doing we're doing our jobs well. So this month, I think um, we're at uh, 323 or 325, somewhere around there for, um, for, for total office production. Uh, that's, that's adjusted production, adjusted to date. So any, any adjustments that have already been made to date have already come off of that number. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, you know, the rest of this next week that we have scheduled for the week. Um, and so you know, we could hit 350, 340, um, somewhere around there by the end of the month, but we just don't have much capacity left. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm not one of those to work Saturdays. I don't work at night. I don't work. I usually don't see patients on Mondays except, um, except for big cases. If I, if I don't have four or five hours on my schedule somewhere in the week to add one of those and they're ready to go, uh, like tomorrow, I have to prep an upper arch tomorrow and then, and then, um, add the lower like eight teeth, um, to build those up. Mm-hmm until his uppers are finished and then I'll finalize the lowers with a, with a con- composite injection technique to stage his case. And so I'm coming in tomorrow to work, um, on him. And I got one other patient who flew in from Denver. Um, and so I've got to see him in the morning. Um, he'll be waiting on me in my parking lot at seven 30. So, um, so yeah, he'd been a long time patient and, and he wanted me to do an implant crown for him. So, so he flew back from Denver. So, hmm. you know, and that's the thing that when you do- develop, these great relationships with patients as well as your team, then that's what happens. People move away mm-hmm. and they don't feel comfortable or they just don't want to find someone new. Um, or this guy, he's got a dentist now that he goes in for cleanings and some other stuff. But if, if he needs any work, he's just going to fly back. Uh, he has a ranch about an hour from me. So he'll go stay at his mm-hmm. ranch and then drive over. So, um, so it's a big compliment. And that means we're doing a lot of things that we're supposed to be doing as far as patient care and team development. Um, to have those relationships. Yeah. No, that's all great. I, I did not, I've got a bunch of questions. I did not want to interrupt your flow there. You were on a roll. Um, if I may, before I backtrack to anything you said, just so I can wrap my head around this, um, if, would you mind sharing with us what were your um, total gross collections for last year and what are you maybe on pace to do for this year? Uh, we were 2.6 for last year, and mm-hmm. we're on pace to do the same. Um, I don't ever, I don't ever want to do less than the year before. I always want to show growth. 
Um, Same here. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll do two two seven or two eight <clears throat> wow. uh, this year with being closed for a period of time. Yeah, for two months. Um, wow. And so that's that's kind of our goal. I was trying to stretch for three. I mean, three point two was our goal starting off um, January first, mm-hmm. and then um, with all the COVID stuff, you know, that just really put the brakes on a lot of our momentum. Um, and it wasn't just the initial shutdown, you know, it's also this October, November, um, uh, the, the, the recall effect because, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with hygiene, um, wasn't in March and April, so that's it's not going to be in October and November for us. So those are some things that we're going to have to, we're making some modifications right now to, to fill that back in. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, and then we were talking about that a little bit as well. My, my schedule is pretty empty. Um, right in the middle of when we were closed for the two month window, six months out from that, um, looking at maybe having to close a week or two, potentially, uh, trying to reactivation. And it sounded like you were, you were pushing for reactivation for patients uh, on your end. Yeah. We're, you know, we, so we don't have any appointments open right now, um, August and September. So we're starting to book in October anyway. Um, mm-hmm. so that's going to help with that part. But sure. usually we have, um, we have a uh, gross monthly production scheduled for hygiene at about 120, 125,000. Mm-hmm. And in October, we have like 52 or 53 now. In November, we have like 42 or something like that. So, so if, if, the, if, the, if the usual is 125 and we're at 50, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good hit as far as pre-scheduled hygiene. But, mm-hmm. uh, but again, it's filling in and, and my girls aren't concerned. Um, and if they're not worried, then I'm not worried. So we're, we're going to figure out one way or the other, but we're going to start a big reactivation campaign come um, uh, middle of September so that, um, you know, we don't want to do it too early because then you have to push them back real far. They mm-hmm. may not like that if they haven't been in for two or three years. Um, so, so yeah, two weeks before um, is when we're kind of shooting for that reactivation campaign to kick off. And that'll help us to fill in October, November, and if I can take some more time off, then I'm fine with that too. So, mm-hmm. you know. would would you consider closing like a, a day here or there, or a hygiene column or three here or there, or is that just I mean, what are you going to do if you get to the day and you've only got two patients on the schedule for one hygienist? Or you're just not worried about that yet. I'm not really worried about that right now. Okay. Um, you know, so I'll, I'm going to cross that bridge when it gets closer. Okay. Um, and so some of my hygienists are wanting to take some vacation time during that time anyway. Right, right. Um, and then that we helps. may offset some of our hour, either compress days or mm-hmm. shorten the days. Um, because a lot of people around here are working from home anyway, so they don't need a 4 o'clock appointment, um, mm-hmm. 3 o'clock appointment. So, you know, the only ones that they need that for are for schools, for kids that are, you know, in school and parents don't want to pull them out. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, well, so to move forward then, um, that's amazing that you, you could uh, still have growth this year. Um, uh, to- perfectly understandable. I think most offices likely won't show growth over the last year just because everyone closed for a big chunk of time. But I'm sure there's some outliers like yourself. Uh, we, we are, if we, ca- if we carry the same pace, we should at least break even. Um, but I'm, I'm getting nervous about the next few months, so we'll see how things go. You know, and even breaking even is still growth because, you know, um, you, you still have to do your run your numbers off a 10-month year instead of a 12-month year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, if you're you know, because you just weren't, you were closed. It's not like, um, 
you know, you didn't have patience or any of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so you can kind of break it up that way. As far yeah. as the, the number of actual days worked versus the collections, you can do that calculation and see what your actual growth is mm-hmm. because, um, you know, 2020 is an awful year already. And, um, but if you do it that way, if you calculate it that way, you can still see if you're growing or not. The total number of days worked, um, and then you calculate that with the total um, collection because production doesn't matter. Collection is the only thing that really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you back out your expenses and everything else, and you can see where you really are instead of looking at a yearly total because, you know, some of my years for our growth, I didn't grow as much. I was kind of flat one year. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 14, 15 or something like that. Well, that was where that was where we, I quit working five days a week. I mean, I went to four solid days a week uh, and still did the same one four days that I was doing one five days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are kind of things that I'm looking at is, is how can I keep my personal production up um, but take more time off? And the problem with my ADOPS and my hygiene volume um, and then the amount of time that we take for appointments, my, my capacity, I was at my capacity. And I'm not going to change hours. It's, it's, I'm just not programmed that way. You know, nighttime and weekends and stuff. It's family time with my kids. Same thing for my team. It's very important to them. Um, and so finally, I, I just bought out the nail salon next door to me. And, um, and the 80 grand that I spent to buy the entire business, equipment, nail polish, all that junk, it will be pennies over a five-year deal. Because, um, you know, going from eight ops to 15 ops is going to, I mean, that'll push us to, to 500,000, maybe even 600,000 a month. Um, once I Jeez. include, um, specialty procedures and, and bring in specialists and stuff like that, because, um, I mean, we have such a demand and, and then we won't be booking new patients three months out. I mean, that's what we have been doing the last year because our hygiene demand is so high. There's other practices around that don't have a full schedule and they're not very busy. So it's not just the area. You know, some people looking at a practice and want to buy one or start one up and they look for an area uh, based on income alone or that sort of thing. They think, oh, that's going to be a home run easy. It's just not that simple. I mean, you can't take advantage of people, um, you know, or do poor work or, or, you know, act like you're better than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to bring in a lot more people. So so even though we have huge demand and people will still wait, even though they can get their teeth cleaned quicker somewhere else, you know, we still have not wait. Um, and so now with the expansion, it's going to really help, um, to get past that capacity issue. And, um, and then I can bring in another associate and then I can cut my days to two to three clinical days a week, um, or do a two, three, um, split to where, you know, one week I work two week, two days, and then the next week I'll work three. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way I can offload a lot of production to another associate and, and just kind of, you know, coach them and coach the practice and, you know, and just kind of take it easy a little bit. Um, I want to start teaching more and I'm putting together some CE stuff to teach people how to develop, you know, a practice kind of like mine and, and, and all the different avenues and facets that have, have led to a lot of our success, um, to incorporate a lot of that so that mm-hmm. people can learn how to, how to do this a little easier and look at it a little different way than, than, than how most of these, you know, most of these practice management gurus, they're not even dentists. They don't even know what they're talking about or they're mm-hmm. recycling old stuff from the eighties and the nineties. And it just, it's just not the same anymore. Um, so, you know, and, and I don't want to also try to take lessons from someone who's never done it. If they don't, you know, if they don't have any street cred, um, you know, like what, uh, who's, uh, Craig Spodak, you know, he was talking about that on, on his bulletproof. Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, Peter Bolden, 
right. know, they were talking about if they don't have street cred, you know, don't listen to those people. Don't listen to people tell you how to change a tire if they ride a bike, you know, that's <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, right. So, so that's the th same thing is, is if I can share a lot of what I've developed, um, then I'm happy to do that. And, and that'll be an, another income stream for me because, mm -hmm. you know, it's intellectual property and it doesn't come cheap. You know, I spent, you know, a long time developing all this and I want to share it. Um, and I believe that people would get a lot of value out of it and be able to either redevelop their own practice or, or use that information along with some of the resources to find a good spot for them to do either a startup or an acquisition or, or whatever it is. So, so less clinical time for me, less treadmill, spinning the treadmill as Chuck Blakeman calls it. Um, and I can be more effective because two or three days, if I have five ops to work out of versus the two that I currently work out of, then, I mean, I can really crank. So, mm -hmm. so um, please do let me know when you have that uh, resource put together. I'd love to help you promote it. I think it could help a lot sure. of dentists. So that would be huge. And, and my, I myself would definitely want to <laughs> learn from it. So, um, all right, my, my list of questions here just keeps growing. So <laughs> let me throw some at you. Some are, some are quick, some are not so quick. I think the answers will be. Um, okay, so just so I can clarify here, do you, you don't see patients on Mondays usually. Is the practice open? I didn't quite catch that. No, it's like an admin day. So for the whole Shelby, practice is closed. Uh, yeah, one of my employees, um, Shelby, she's been with me since the beginning. She'll work on Mondays, answering the phone, enter insurance checks, whatever else, um, kind of look at the week. Um, she'll pay like Invisalign bills and, and stuff like that. Um, and she'll be there until like three o'clock answering the phone or that sort of stuff. And then um, Tuesday, everyone's there. Tuesday through Thursday, everyone's there. And then Friday, um, Shelby's not there. Um, and sometimes the hygienist here or there may not be there. And then, like I said, my my associate, um, Brian Johnson, um, he and I will alternate to where one of us is usually not there. So, um, so yeah. You're good, you're good. Okay, so to um, follow up then, you mentioned earlier you wanted to have a light Friday and you said that you had four hygienists uh, working. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you said you were also prepping an art or something. You were doing something that was like, I don't know, you were still seeing patients at least. How, how does that work? Because four hygienists without any patients on my side, that wouldn't be a light day for me. How do you manage to check that many? Are you checking the, all of those hygiene patients? Yeah, usually, usually I will check them. Um, unless they don't, if they don't need it, you know, sure. the hygienist will kind of give it, leave it up to them. Um, and so, so that's fine. It's fine with me. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to check everyone just so that I can build them for an exam. Right. You know, um, but um, usually it's families, it's mom and two kids or something like that. So it's pretty quick and easy as far as that goes. And a lot of them are patients that have been with me for six or seven years now. So they're on autopilot. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll just stop by and catch up with them for a couple of minutes and look at everything and you know, okay. and kind of move on. Usually I'll do that when I'm timing something because I'll, I'll get a patient numb and I'll go do all my hygiene checks. I'll leave them for 15 minutes, uh, make sure they're really, really good and numb. And by that point in time, I mean, I can, I can check all those hygiene patients mm -hmm. um, and then go back and do my work. And then the, the, the second hour of hygiene patients, I'll check them at the end to where I pretty much have an hour and 25 minutes of uninterrupted time um, because the first hour I'll check at the beginning and then the second hour, I'll check at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I do it to where it's, it's pretty simple and smooth. And uh, so very seldom do I have a hygienist kind of hovering out in the hallway 
um, giving me the death stare. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's just coordination. And sometimes, yeah. you know, if they need something quicker, then one of my assistants will get my attention and, you know, I'll come up with a reason why I need to, you know, take a break or, or I'll get to a stopping point or, or whatever so I can go check somebody. But, um, but it doesn't interrupt me. And they, they usually don't wait on me. We, we pride ourselves in running on time. Mm-hmm. We'll have, people have better stuff to do than sit there all day. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So when you're prepping a full arch, are you still checking? I mean, hygiene. You got lots of columns of hygiene to check. Most of the time on those days, um, Brian's there, so he'll check hygiene, um, and I'll check like every other hour um, to where when we get to a because a patient needs a stopping point as well. They need to close and just kind of relax when they need to go to the bathroom. Sure. Uh, and so we'll kind of look for blocks and we'll kind of designate and kind of guide our patient into that that break block, I guess, so that I can go mm-hmm. check it if needed. Um, otherwise, then Brian will cover um, hygiene checks there. Now, if I'm an IV sedation, then no, I, I don't leave that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but we try to coordinate that pretty well to where the hygienists know on those days. If the patient has had an exam within the last 12 months, then um, then I don't need to see them. They just give them the option. They say, you know, if you want to wait, it's going to be a little bit of time. Um, and they use that opportunity to, to, to tell patients some of the things that I'm doing. Um, you know, Dr. Lathrop is in the middle of a, a full mouth reconstruction case and this lady, she's going to look fantastic when she's all finished. Um, and she just, you know, just years and years of wear and tear and neglect. And, and now she's, it's her time to fix it. Um, so he's in the middle of that right now, but you know, if you'd like to wait, then he can come in and see you for sure. But, um, but otherwise he, you know, he can see you next time and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, wow, he, re- he does that. I didn't know that y'all did that here. Nice. So, so you got to use those opportunities to constantly self-promote your practice and you have to train your team to do that as well. Mm-hmm. That way it's not you just the one talking all the time. They need to be the biggest cheerleaders and raving fans for your practice as well and develop that because that patient may not need that work, but their sister might or their mm-hmm. mom or their neighbor, coworker, whomever, you don't, you don't know. Um, and that's how I get a lot of referrals. It's, it's referrals from my existing patients that, they mentioned it to somebody else around them, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a that's a pretty cool thing. Um, that's a, that's an indirect marketing thing, so it works well. Yeah, that's amazing. So at the moment, you have eight chairs, five hygiene chairs running. So you and your associate are sharing three chairs. Yep. Wow. Okay. And in the new new office, you're planning for what did you say? Was it 15 chairs? It'll be 15 ops. Yep. Wow. That's great. So. You kind of talked about your plans there a little bit already, but just to recap, you, you think you'll hire another associate, so you'll have uh, three dentists. How many chairs per dentist do you think you'll have? Do you have any plans for how many hygiene chairs that you want to have? Thanks for listening to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our Fee-for-Service Dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.